0: I'm Azani, and in the news, Israel under attack, Hamas continues to launch rockets into Israel, amounting to over 3,000 rockets so far. As the war rages between Israel and Gaza terrorist organization, the battle continues as well in the media and on social media. One of the hotly debated topics has been Sheikh Jarrah in Jerusalem, and one pro-Israel response you all want to listen and hear, which went viral, was that of Emily Schrader. Please Take
1: a look. What's really happening at Sheikh Jarrah? In 1875, a Jewish rabbi purchased this empty property in Sheikh Jarrah and has maintained ownership of it ever since. When the Jordanians illegally occupied Jerusalem in 1948 and ethnically cleansed it of Jews, including destroying synagogues, they built 28 homes for Palestinians who currently live there today. In 1967, the property was annexed to Israel after the Six-Day War, all this while Jews still owned this property. Years later, a Jewish organization purchased the property and appealed to the Israeli courts, who requested both sides, the Palestinians and the Israelis, come to an agreement in which the Palestinians would pay rent as tenants. They tried to fight the case in court but lost and are now facing eviction after not paying rent for years. Here's what you need to know. This is an ongoing and complicated legal case and both sides have a legitimate claim, but the Palestinians could remain in their homes if they agreed to pay rent. They refused. Why? Propaganda. They're using this case to make a production, to incite violence against Israel, even though the facts of the case prove something else entirely. If the same situation occurred anywhere else, the reactions wouldn't be the same. Tenants who don't pay rent get evicted and nobody uses it as an excuse to launch terror attacks. The US members of Congress who are condemning Israel over this issue are fanning the flames of anti-Semitism at a time when we have a rise in anti-Semitism in the United States and we're dealing with violence against Jews in Israel. To the elected officials commenting, you're being duped. Attacking Israel over Sheikh Jarrah isn't fighting for justice, it's irresponsibility. As an American Israeli, I'm begging you, stop fueling anti-Semitism.
0: Quite impressive. What is the situation? What can we do to impact the ongoing conversation and listen to more videos like the one we just saw? To answer these questions, I am absolutely thrilled to have with us on JBS, all the way from Israel, Emily Schrader. Emily is a digital marketing expert with over 10 years of experience in NGOs and political campaigns. She is the founder and CEO of the digital marketing firm Socialite Creative, a regular columnist for the Jerusalem Post, and a research fellow at the Tel Aviv Institute. Emily's work focuses primarily on Israeli politics, combating online hatred and anti Semitism, and women's rights issues in the region. She is an Israeli American and is based in Tel Aviv, Israel. Emily, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be so f- here.
0: First of all, how are you? What's what's the situation now on the ground? You're in Tel Aviv, right? Yes,
1: yeah, so I'm in Tel Aviv. Um, today it's been pretty calm, <laughs> uh, but it's been a pretty crazy week. There have been multiple sirens in Tel Aviv. There have been sirens all day, all morning in the south of Israel. Just a few minutes ago, a house was hit in Ashdod. So it's been pretty stressful with with everything going on here.
0: What is the um, sentiment of Israelis around you um, as they cope with what's happening and all of those uh, missiles falling on, exploding in people's homes? How is the general atmosphere?
1: I think that obviously people are are frightened. Um, This is more intense than we experienced in 2014 or in 2012, especially in the the central Israel area. It was the first time that a rocket has actually hit a building in the center of Israel. Usually, the Iron Dome has shot them down. Um, And also, we are seeing some internal conflict that we haven't seen previously. So people are, are more frightened, I think, from the internal conflict than what's happening with Gaza, because we know that the IDF is actively working to defend us from Hamas terrorists um, and the sentiment from everyone that I've spoken to and, and everything that I hear and see from Israelis is that we really want this um, to to end. Um, and most importantly, we want to see cooperation between Arabs and Jews on the ground here um, and not have like the minority of extremists that we're seeing and hearing about in the news dictate the narrative.
0: You. Um you have been an active warrior for israel for years now on social media media and beyond and i'm very happy that we're speaking to you because one of the feelings that so many of us get uh, outside of israel is of course immense frustration you know we want to be on the ground we want to help israel we understand its right causes but there is so much propaganda disinformation misinformation and incitement online and i'm I'm very happy to finally be able to speak to you and ask you, how do we overcome our frustration? You produce the videos. What can we do to help Israel maybe shed some light on the work you do in this regard, which is very important and very relevant to everybody who's watching us now?
1: Right. So I think that social media has really become, and we've seen this since even 2008, but especially in 2012, we saw for the first time that there was a lot of activity, both from the IDF itself, from official government actors um, and from individual activists. And then with 2014, that only escalated the online front. And now, of course, we see it again. One of the things that Israel consistently faces in every single operation or anytime there's a flare up of violence is that there's a lot of misinformation, some of it intentional and some of it unintentional. And because of the nature of social media in that anybody can share and there's no checks um, on the media, uh, anybody can spread misinformation or fake news as it's been been come to be known. And we see that spread like wildfire on social media. Now the danger of this in situations like this is that that fuels antisemitism. And it doesn't just fuel antisemitism in the Arab world where we see tremendous amount of misinformation on the media and social media. It's also fueling it abroad. We see it with a lot of antisemitism in London. They said that there's been a 250% increase in antisemitic incidents in one week. We see it in the United States with synagogues being vandalized. We see it with protests, with people screaming uh, obscenities at Jews and about Jews um, throughout Europe and the United States. We've seen it with allegedly pro-Palestinian protests where they're calling for death to Jews um, and and calling for intifada. So this is the result of what we see on social media and the misinformation. People get upset about the content that they're seeing um, and they get upset about the misinformation that's being spread. Um, about Palestinians and they react uh, in an extreme way. Um, so th- because of that, it's very, very important that we fight back, first of all, with facts. So dispelling the misinformation in whatever language is possible. Um, my first language is English, so I primarily operate in English. And when I saw what was happening with Sheikh Jarrah, I knew that I needed to make a video because I saw immediately that it was being used by Um, Palestinian terrorist organizations, um, because I also follow the Arabic social media, to incite violence and riots against Israel. Um, And Hamas, and with the backing of Iran, was able to use this as a instigator for violence and for this operation that we're seeing now, despite the fact that this issue of Sheikh Jarrah isn't really related. This is a a, a legal issue that's been ongoing for years. And online, I saw a lot of anti-Israel activists saying, well, they're targeting Jews, targeting Jews, they're targeting Arabs during Ramadan, they're targeting Muslims during Ramadan. It has nothing to do with Ramadan. This is an ongoing case, it's still ongoing. The final decision on this case hasn't even been decided. Um, So I think that there's a lot of context that's missing. Emily,
0: just like you said, if you're talking about the final decision on the case, the decision is made by the courts. It's not made by a government. It's not made by a dictatorial entity. It's made by the court. This is a court case that's being, uh, that's being discussed and handled by the judicial system. Right?
1: right? Right, and not only that, but this is a court which has ruled against Jewish homes before. It is a court who has issued demolition orders for illegally built Jewish homes. So to say that the court is biased or that this is part of a concerted effort by the state of Israel or the army or anyone else in Israel to kick Arabs or Muslims out of their homes is completely inaccurate. And what we see is that people with other interests, like Iran, like Hamas, like Fatah in the West Bank, are using this as an excuse to launch violence, to instigate riots, which is what we saw the day after at the Temple Mount. What started the Temple Mount riots wasn't Israeli police storming Al-Aqsa, and I can't even count how many times I've heard misinformation about the police being violent against Muslims, including from members of Congress, which we'll get to in a minute, Um, But it it started because of the Palestinian riots. And these riots were not just people protesting and holding signs and, and nicely voicing their opposition. These were people who were using a holy site, the holiest site to Judaism and the third holiest site to Islam to launch violent riots in which they were throwing firebombs and Molotov cocktails and rocks at police forces who were trying to dispel the situation. And not only that, but they banned Jews from visiting the most holy site. So there were no there was no Jewish presence there. There was no Jews storming the Temple Mount, as they love to say, and yet they still use this as an excuse to promote and spread misinformation. And this is what Hamas used, unfortunately, successfully in order to launch an entire operation of terrorism against all of Israeli civilians.
0: You know, that, that the point you just mentioned is usually hidden from the you know, American eye. The fact is that Jews are not allowed to go up to Temple Mount, the holiest site in Judaism, and actually pray. They're banned from doing so, so that there are no you know hurtful um, acts against Islam or against the feelings of the waqf that is actually managing the entire area of Temple Mount. And as long as we live in that situation where the world is unaware, we have the platform open for all of the propaganda and, like you're saying, misinformation and disinformation. I want to ask you. Now, you're on the ground. You're seeing all of these facts, and I can only imagine the frustration that you have in seeing this unbelievable ignorance that borders malice. And then here you come, the grand warrior for Israel. What do you? St- how do you even begin your journey of educating the uh, educating the world? Your Shechterach video has over half a million views and counting. So. Tell us a little bit about that so that all of our young viewers who are watching and are now conducting the battles on social media can understand how to do it better and be more successful.
1: So the first step whenever issues like this come up is finding out what the facts actually are. So obviously the very first and most important thing is the research, um, finding out credible sources, looking at government sources looking at alternative sources in order to determine what happened and what the background of the case is. Now one of the things that I've noticed about pro-Palestinian or I don't even like to call it that because I don't think it's pro-Palestinian anti-Israel activism online is that they often make very emotional and grandiose claims about what's happening to Palestinians. Oh Palestinian children are
0: being murdered. Before please I, I just want you to hold that thought for a minute because what you just said is one of the most important points in this israeli-palestinian discussion and i think it really deserves a moment you said i'd rather be considered as you know anti-israel pro-israel rather than pro-palestinian And that is a very important distinction because the truth is, like you are saying, Emily, if you stand up against Hamas, you are pro-Palestinian because you allow Gazans to live their own lives. And if you stand against Israel and for Hamas, you're actually hurting Palestinians and their ability to conduct ordinary lives like so many of us deserve. Am I correct?
1: Correct, completely. And this is something that is also missing from the conversation particularly online with anti-Israel activists. A lot of people are saying, well, I support, you know, Israel has a right to self-defense, but so do the Palestinians. We aren't attacking Palestinians. We're attacking Hamas. And I think that this is like at the very core of the misinformation battle, especially online, and that Israel isn't interested in fighting Palestinians. This isn't an issue of the existence of Palestinians or the existence of a Palestinian state. This is an issue of battling a internationally recognized terrorist organization. and. And Israel has an obligation and, of course, a right to protect its citizens from this organization. And we need to stick to the facts and and correct that misinformation whenever and wherever possible.
0: So, so to our viewers, pay attention. This is your first lesson you got from Emily, and a very important one: pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel. Make that distinction and don't immediately rush to say that those con- those necessarily contradict. Sorry. So, I want to go back to the videos. The first phase would be looking into the information, finding reliable sources, educating yourself, knowing what you're talking about.
1: Correct. Um, And then after that, the next step for me is putting putting together content in a compelling way. Now, not everyone has to be a content creator. So I think that For people who aren't interested in creating content or they don't know how that doesn't mean that you can't be involved in fighting back online um first of all there's a lot of different um influencers or or credible sources that you can follow who create content both government and non-government sources myself being one of them Um, And in order to win the battle on social media, it's very important also for the algorithms and the way that they work on social media, especially Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, of course, is by sharing and amplifying that content. So taking the sources that you have who are putting out the correct information and sharing them on your own social media and also sharing them in places where you see the the front of the battle. And that isn't gonna be the people who are anti-Israel. It isn't gonna be the pro-Palestinian or rather anti-Israel pages on social media, it's gonna be BBC, it's gonna be New York Times, it's gonna be Reuters, it's gonna be the comment section on these articles about what's happening in Israel. Those are the places where you need to share that content and respond to that content. And not only that, but engage in the comments and the social media that you see there. And that means liking them and responding to them because the more you interact, every single interaction on social media counts towards the algorithm. So even if you're only liking 100, posts that are presenting the correct information on an article, you're making a difference because that content will be further displayed above comments that are providing incorrect information. So this is a very important front that anyone can take part in on social media.
0: Right. So, so important what you're saying now, Emily. So first of all, to all of our viewers, follow Emily Schrader. I mean, the ability to produce compelling content does not have to fall on your shoulders. She's already doing it for you. So if you follow her and you're able to disseminate this message, you're able to do something good for the truth, something good for Israel, and something good for the Palestinians who maybe at some point will be able to relieve themselves from the tyrannical regime of Hamas and maybe possibly have the hope for a proper life. I also want to mention what you just said and shed light on it. Engage with the comments, the pro-Israel ones. Understand that When you're amplifying, you're not going to educate the anti-Israel groups. You're not going to educate those who are promoting the hatred against Israel. But there are so many people in the middle, right, Emily? So many people in the middle who are completely oblivious to what's happening. So if they're only exposed to what the the bad guys are saying and they have no idea what's said on the other other side, their impression of the situation will never change, which is why it's super important for all of us to engage on social media. So, Emily, first of all, I just want to understand which platforms are you active on um, and which ones do you view as very important to, I mean, I'm sure all of them are, but most important to engage on these issues today.
1: So I'm most active on Twitter, Instagram, um, and then Facebook after those two. Um, however, I must say that one of the most important platforms today, and it is quickly becoming more and more important, is TikTok, um, which I'm not that, I have a TikTok, but I'm not that active on it. Um, and that is because TikTok has become a huge front anti-Semitism. There's been a tremendous amount of content um, and unfortunately every time something happens in Israel we see anti-Semitic content rise up again on social media and unfortunately that has been very extreme on TikTok as well. So I would strongly recommend and urge other people who want to be involved um, to be active on TikTok as well as the other platforms.
0: Yeah you know you mentioned um engaging on the comments of articles and whatever. We're seeing many cases where you have, a let's say, a blatantly anti-Israel article in the media or on social media. And what a lot of people tend to do is they tend to either retweet it or carry it forward and then put whatever comment they have about it. Do you think this is a viable strategy? Is this right or wrong in your view? What's the best way to engage with, let's say, an anti-Israel article or an anti-Israel video that you wanna show your dissent towards? What's the best thing we can do?
1: So we're getting more into the specifics of, of each platform. On Facebook, it is better to interact with the post itself Um, and to interact with the comments that are providing the correct information in the comment section of that post. Because we know that if BBC shares an article, it's already going to get traction. Um, So that's the reason that it's important. If you want to take that information and present it on Twitter with the correct information, then I recommend not sharing the actual link itself, but sharing a screenshot, summarizing it, and then adding whatever your comment would be. And that way people aren't going to the exact article itself and you're not actually promoting that misinformation. And we see this a lot also with, um, with unfair criticism of Israel or when, when inaccurate claims are, are lobbed against Israel, like um, ethnic cleansing or apartheid, or these types of things, um, that you don't really want to repeat that information because it's not true, but you also need to address it and call it out. So, so one tactic I would say is, is getting familiar with screenshotting, <laughs> so you're not actually promoting that information even
0: more. Right, that's for sure, and you know that leads us to, to to talking about the next issue, which is elected officials. AOC and some members of the gang, I'm sorry, the squad, have come out with the apartheid. Um, an apartheid state is not a democracy. This one-liner that they spread out there, clearly targeting Hamas's dictatorial regime. No, I mean, and my question to you is what's your feeling about this campaign? How do we respond to such a campaign? Because it's a big claim wrapped in a very tiny box. And if I'm not mistaken, you even created a video about it?
1: Right, so I did create a video about it. I created it several days after they addressed the House of Representatives. Um, it was AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and um, Corey Booker, yeah. Ayanna Pressley. So the squad, as they've come to be known. And, you know, I listened to the full speech of every single one of them and I was appalled. I was truly appalled because it's one thing to criticize Israel and you know what, it's even one thing to call for some kind of reform or additional supervision of, of the aid package to Israel, which I disagree with for the record. But it's another thing to present wildly inaccurate accusations from the House floor. I think that this is completely disrespectful to the U.S.-Israel relationship. It's completely disrespectful to the office that they hold, and it has absolutely no place in the U.S. Congress. I mean, we heard them uh, accusing Israel of apartheid, almost all of them, and we've seen that also on their Twitter accounts. We've seen them accusing Israel, in exact words, of murdering children, murdering children, which is outrageous, especially when you have a six-year-old Israeli who actually was murdered by Hamas terrorists, you didn't hear a single condemnation or mention of Hamas. You heard Ilhan Amar calling Israel, uh, Israeli airstrikes terrorism, which, as I mentioned in my video, makes no sense because terrorism is done by non-state actors. Um, so everything, the way that they talk, the way that they present Israel um, is not only inaccurate, but they're using purposely inflammatory language in order to build up um, uh, negative emotions and negative reactions to what's happening in Israel. And I think that that's extremely dangerous, especially at a time when we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism, not only here, but around the world.
0: So what did you do? I mean, and I just want to tell our viewers, you, you're going to watch the video immediately as, uh, as we conclude the interview so that we can all be educated. But how do you respond, let's say on Twitter, when that uh, one sentence appears? Um, and and this accusation comes at Israel. The best way would be what? To respond with several paragraphs talking about why that's not the situation, share a video. What what do you recommend to do on the practical level? And I'm being practical because this is a practical issue that's being faced by so many at this very moment. So your advice is indeed golden.
1: Right, so I think that it's all on social media, it's always a question of whether or not you should amplify a message. And unfortunately, what we see with this conflict is that with people like Rashida Tlaib, these messages are going to be amplified anyway. AOC's tweet has, I think, like a quarter of a million likes or retweets or something. Now, a lot of those are criticism. Um, But even if nobody pro-Israel responded, it would still have you know, 100,000. So it is worth engaging because we want people who go to that to see like, no, that's not true. At the very least, we want people, most of whom don't care, to see that this is a hotly contested issue and that there is a complete other side. That is very, very critical. Even when we're outnumbered, it's important that we're present. Otherwise-
0: Emily, I have to stop you there because again, what you just said hidden in your words is one of the most important lessons for everyone who wants to stand up for Israel. And I just wanna put the spotlight on it for a minute. When we engage on Israel, it's not always about convincing the other side, because we, we live in a world where convincing is a very tough task. But if you listen closely to what Emily just said, is the realization that these issues may be complex and maybe it's not the wisest thing to do to respond in a knee-jerk reaction way to anything you hear that's coming at you without knowing how complex and how intricate the situation is. That is our goal. And it's okay to admit, I don't know enough about the situation. It's very complex. I wish for peace for everyone. Let me look further into the matter, which I think is a very important element you just stressed, Emily.
1: That's exactly right. So uh, continuing with answering your question, um, I do think it's important to respond when we see members of Congress responding the way that they have responded. Um, and call it out, of course. But also, you don't have, again, you don't have to use your own content. Um, if you see someone whose argument or who's put forth all of the evidence in a very compelling way and addresses the claims that they have made, share that content. Share that content as a direct link in response or retweet with a link to that content. There's a lot of different creative ways you can engage with, with some of the accusations that are being made against Israel. There's a lot of resources out there, so, so pay attention and, and engage.
0: So important, Emily. So I think that uh, a great way to conclude our interview would be just to take a moment and let's watch together the AOC video that you produced with elected officials discussing this very topic on your recent visit to the US only a few days ago. Let's take a moment.
1: This week, the squad exclusively bashed Israel from the House floor, even while we faced hundreds of rockets from terrorist organization Hamas. As an American Israeli myself, I can't stand by while they lie and slander my country. Stop comparing racial inequalities in the United States to the Palestinians. We have nothing to do with your history of anti-black racism and slavery. That extortion, that brutalization by a heavily armed militarized presence in our community, that's what we fund when our government sends our tax dollars to the Israeli military. Falsely accusing Israel of brutality against the Palestinians without any mention of the fact that there are recognized Palestinian terrorist organizations which blow up buses and restaurants is irresponsible and frankly it's insulting to the black community that they're comparing it to.
0: I'm committed to ensuring
1: that our government does not fund state violence in any form anywhere. Now that's something I can support, since you also voted to restore funding to UNRWA, which has been caught multiple times storing weapons in their schools and teaching glorification of terrorism to students in their textbooks. All of these members of Congress have called for conditioning aid to Israel. We must condition aid to Israel. Aid which provides hundred thousand American jobs. But where are the demands for conditions for aid to the Palestinian Authority? I stand before you not only as a congresswoman, for the beautiful 13 district, strong, but also- The representative for Hamas? I didn't know that Palestine was a congressional district. Ilhan, you've been obsessed with Jews since the beginning. I think there's a word for that. You called Israeli airstrikes terrorism, which as a lawmaker, you should know is impossible since terrorism is done by non-state actors. AOC, you can't even name which lands are occupied. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What oh. did you mean by that?
0: Oh, um, I think what I meant, I
1: I am not the expert on (laughs) geopolitics on this issue. But falsely claimed it was expulsions from Palestinian land which started this wave of violence. Enough with the selective outrage. Not a single one of you condemned the murder of a six-year-old Israeli who was killed by a Hamas rocket. And none of you have condemned or spoken out about the fact that Palestinians are suffering and killed by Hamas themselves. Shame on all of you.
0: Amazing just amazing. You said it for all of us. And I I think that um, today's practical values of our discussion can go a very long way. And I hope that so many of our viewers are uh, inspired by what you do and will follow you to be able to echo what's right for Israel, especially with somebody so young and yet so sound, Emily. So thank you so much for all that you do. I want to just ask you before we conclude Any final message you want to send our viewers and everybody out there who's fighting for Israel in the media, on social media, and on the streets um, speaking to us from Tel Aviv?
1: Yeah, I just want to say one thing that that actually wasn't addressed earlier, and that is that you will get uh, pushback, especially during times of of conflict and war. You will Mm -hmm. get nasty comments. You will probably get anti-Semitism. Don't be deterred by it. This is another way that the anti-Israel groups will try to silence um, what is actually the truth um, in situations I've encountered it a lot because obviously I'm very very vocal and active um, but even if you're a little bit active you will see this um, just don't be discouraged let it roll off your back and continue doing what you know is right
0: and do you recommend blocking such such users or let's say deleting such comments on your post or just not touching it
1: I, I would I usually block them although I, I have a lot so you'll probably see them on my pages <laughs> and what, what,
0: about, what about deleting comments uh, nasty comments on posts would that be something recommended
1: yeah, I think that if the comments are overtly anti-Semitic um, or violent, there's no problem in deleting it on either side, by the way. Um, but if it's someone who just disagrees with you, it's worth engaging, of course. Um, I, I don't think you should delete or block someone just because there's dissent. I do think if it's abusive and anti-Semitic, then that is a line that, that's been crossed and you should, you should ban those people and you shouldn't feel bad about it.
0: Emily, I could go with you for hours. I just want to say a big, big, big thank you for, um, for everything that you do for Israel. I'm personally a follower, and I recommend everybody who listens to engage like you say and do the right thing, not just by Israel, but also by the ordinary people who just want to live a peaceful life. Thank Thank you. you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Emily, for your fight for Israel and for providing us with these important tips of how all of us can help be part of the right and just fight against Hamas, against terror, and for every decent human being in the Middle East, whether he's Israeli, Jewish, Arab, or Palestinian. And to all of you, I'd like to say thank you for watching. Stay safe, stay happy, and stay healthy. I'd like to thank our director, Sloan Copeland, JBS's managing director, Dara Golub, our technical manager, Michael Paley, transmission manager, John McDevitt, and to our wonderful producer of In the News, Carol Lilienthal. For JBS, I'm Shahar Razani. Thank you very much. Until next time, shalom and lehitrao.